Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 85 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I'm Jake Johansson. Hello. I already said that. Ladies. Hello. And gentlemen and ladies. Um, yeah, it's episode 85. I'm speaking to you from Austin, Texas, where I'm having a great weekend at the Cap Cities Comedy Club. You know, last week was a great weekend in Columbus, Ohio, and... Very soon, I will be in Salt Lake City, Utah, March 7th and 8th. I'll be at Wise Guys Comedy Club in Salt Lake City. And then April 11th through 13th, I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live. There was a little bit of doubt in my mind about where I was, and I think I made a mistake when I told you where I was going to be in the phoenix area. Last week, I made a mistake. And this week, I'm correcting that mistake. April 11th through 13th, I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live. April 17th and 19th, I'm going to be in San Francisco, California, where I started my comedy career back at the Punchline. Please come to the Punchline in San, Fran- San-, San Francisco. Uh, prance to the Punchline in San Francisco on April 17th through 19th, and uh, I'll see you there. Uh, it's upstairs. It's above a, a parking garage. Ooh, sweet. And then March 8th, 9th, and 10th, I'm going to be at Comedy Works South at the Landmark in, uh, well... It's out. It's in the suburb of Denver. You know where it is. It's the other Comedy Works, not the downtown one, but the other one, where we always have a good time in uh, in the spring. In the spring, it should be lovely weather in the Denver area. So please come out to that. I'm going to be in Kilkenny, Ireland, May 29th to June 2nd at the Sky Cat Laughs Comedy Festival. If you're thinking about flying to Ireland and you're looking for things to do, come on. You know what to do in Ireland. And it's it may, but if you live in Ireland, please come. I look forward to seeing you, saying hello, and. Uh, having a darkish beer uh, with you. Hey, this week has been great in Austin. I haven't been here in a long time, and thank you to so many people who came out. Listeners of the podcast, it was great to say hello. I had a listener who gave me a lottery ticket and said it was the Schrodinger's cat of wealth management, but unfortunately, I could not resist scratching it off, and I have to say that when I looked in the box, there wasn't even a cat in there. <laughs> but... I do, I did, I did do and always will love a good Schrodinger's cat reference. And some of you may be ready to start Googling, but, uh, that was, that was just very nice. It was a nice weekend and nice people. And just what a, it's, it's, it's fun to make friends. I'm good. I like to be with people who like me and the people who like me like that too. And so we were together and thanks for doing that. And, uh, I hope to see the rest of you at these other gigs. Go to jakethis.com, check my schedule, blah, 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 blah. Um, this week, I can say that I am excited about this episode. I mean, I, I know I've said that before, but this week I'm talking to my friend Dino Tripodis, who is a comic who I've known for a long time, and he is a great guy. And as he says in this uh, episode, you know, we have lo- known each other a long time, and I'm I'm lucky in my life to have a lot of deep and good friendships with people that take place over years, even though we only see each other once a year or so, we end up in these kind of really um, revealing conversations with each other. And uh, I consider Dino to be one of those people that I'm just lucky to have had that kind of a relationship for, for this length of time. He's a very funny comedian, and, and he'll tell the story a little bit of his career. I never know what's going to happen in these conversations, if we're just going to have a silly talk or what we're going to end up talking about. But I was interested in his uh, day job when I met him, and now he's currently, currently for the last 20 years, he's been uh, a morning show, radio show host on the same station through many changes. And it is, the, uh, it is in fact, the Soccer Mom station. Or, you know, well, I shouldn't, I don't want to, 
be derogatory towards the listeners of that station because that is my favorite kind of station to go on because it turns out those are people who like to come to my shows. They bring their uh, husband spouses or boyfriends, and uh, we all have a good time because everybody can have a good time with each other. I, 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 go, I go along to get along is what I'm trying to say. And um, so Dino's been a popular morning radio show host for all these 20 years, and I think in some sense he may not even identify himself as a stand-up, but he is a very funny stand-up. He hosts the show uh, on, um, I can't remember what night it was. Was it Thursday? I think it was Thursday night at the Funny Bone in Columbus, and that's when I usually see him for the first time of the week, and I saw him then, and then we got together on Sunday and had this conversation, and I just felt like... It was it was one of the top conversations that I've had with him, and he talked about some of the things that I already knew, and he talked about some of the things that I didn't know about him. So Dino is a comedian. He's a morning radio show host. He's a filmmaker. He can sing a little bit. The night before we had this conversation, he was at a Dean Martin impersonator show. Uh, he loves the Rat Pack, and he's he's sort he's the same age as me. But he's really an old school guy, and he kind of explains that during during the show. We had a little issue with an air conditioner fan going on, but as I listen back to it, you can barely hear it. But that is what we're talking about when we start talking about the air conditioner fan. What else did I want to tell you about? Um, oh boy. Well, there's uh, it's just it just is it's a fun conversation. It's very interesting to me where we went and how we got there, and it was just really my pleasure. And I hope you enjoy listening to this i think i'm going to call this show love and death and bastards and i include myself eventually in all of those categories please enjoy thanks for listening here we go I always think people's most interesting kind of stories are what they're doing outside of comedy or, you know, where it's taken them or how they got into it. And I feel like one of the most interesting things the first time I met you about you was your day job before you became a comedian. The day job that I was actually still doing when I was a comedian. Yeah, it was was a little little strange. I started open micing. As a uh, vocational release to have some fun because I was an investigator, private investigator. Yeah, I was a private. I was doing. Yeah, uh, and that was back. What year are we talking about? Right, we're now? talking eighties, uh, early eighties. Yeah. So uh, this I was is like not... twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. Young. 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 But invincible. You know, we... Right, right. Bulletproof. <laughs> Did you ever get shot? Oh, yeah, I've been shot. Really? Yeah. I can't believe I never asked you that before. Yeah, well, it never came up. It's not like it's not, it's not something that comes up in casual. Well, the conversation. thing about you too, though, is because I I don't know how long I've known you, but it's been since the sometime in the eighties, right? Or we, we, maybe we, early nineties. We 90s. briefly discussed that. That was kind of interesting. Like I, I've known you forever, and yet I don't recall when I met you. Yeah. So it's one of those things. I don't. I don't remember the first gig, where like, oh, you're opening up for Jake Johansson, and I don't. I don't remember that happening. I'm gonna assume it was here in Columbus. Just. just uh, yeah, so I can, that's my guess. That's I'm gonna my go guess with that too. one. So, 
Yeah, I remember meeting you, and even when... So I've, I've known you since we were younger uh-huh. than we are now. Yes. <laughs> That's my men. point. <laughs> and so even though you were 27 and you were a private investigator, you had that look. Unlike me, I feel like I always had a sort of a kid face in my 20s and 30s. You have always kind of looked like you just... You kind of need a shave, and you're a grown... <laughs> you've got... You've had a... You've had this classic grown man <laughs> vibe about you. Uh... That I think might have helped you as a private investigator. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I look back at some of the pictures back then, and I definitely look like oh wow, like a like a kid in my opinion. But I always had an interesting approach to investigative work, anyway. So I mean, I didn't do the whole. I didn't do domestics for one thing. I never did domestic case. Never did divorces or anything like that. It was uh, those are ugly, messy, and uh, nine times out of ten, if somebody comes to you with a domestic case, what they're really hoping that they'll prove is is you know that it's not true. But nine times out of ten, it is true. Oh, they're trying to prove that it's not true. Yeah, uh, what they want in their hearts. In their hearts. In their yeah. hearts, they're hoping that they're wrong. But nine times out of ten, they're right. So really, you're just verifying heartache, and I didn't want anything to do with that. And in those cases. Well, back then there there might have been some legal thing where if you you had to catch them at it in order to be able to get the upper hand in some kind of divorce agreement, but that's not the case anymore. Either it's mostly it's just catching them to catch them. Now, you know if 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 you were if you're a PI and doing domestic cases now it's it's easy. You don't even need a PI. You can do it yourself. I mean. Between social media and, and and everything else that's out there right now, you don't you don't need a detective. Yeah, they call them a nanny cam, but you can use them on yeah. your wife, yeah, or your yeah. husband. It's, it's crazy. I did other other types of uh, of work, and then when I started uh, started open micing, and and then I did a, a comedy, a Johnny Walker comedy competition at the Funny Bone. The prize was uh, five hundred dollars. Um, you know, one of those big checks that they give you. Yeah. And then you also got um, all the Funny Bones, which at that time, what I think like 13, 14 clubs. This is like this is like 89 now. And you get to go around and headline all of them. Oh, no, 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 no. You got work. I was in no position to headline. I got to open I see. all of them. But I got to open them twice a year. So just 14, like that. That's 28 I, weeks of work. Yeah, yeah that's a 28 lot. 28 weeks of work as a comedian, which I wasn't planning on being or doing and the opening pay wasn't a lot so i couldn't make a living doing that so what i did was um i was an independent contractor as an investigator so i would actually i'm going to be in atlanta this week i'm going to be in cleveland this week i'm going to be in chicago this week whatever the case is there anything going on that i can who do you call up to even say that to well there's there's people there's, there's, well, that was before the internet, though. So you would have the, to call the, up and. The, the, well, you make it sound like they're gangsters. No, not gangsters. No, no. There's, 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 there's crime is everywhere. But is it like and a detective? Crime was everywhere. Is it like a detective novel? Like you know the guy who you know the the Sam Spade in the town. You got to call up that guy or whoever the. No, I mean there was there was still there was there were computers. Yeah. Back in the eighties. Right, and there, and there, there but you, you you weren't logging into some secret computer or no, private investigator. No, and, no, but there would be situations and cases and uh, insurance fraud and intellectual property cases were um, uh-huh. counterfeit cases, which was there was stuff to do. There was there was stuff. 
Was it exciting being a, a private investigator? Uh, that's that's probably part of the myth and mythology. Sometimes it was, but a lot of times it was um, kind of boring. How did you? St- well, how did you start doing that? How did I start doing? You, that? you were doing it when you were twenty-seven when you started doing stand-up. I got, so you must I, have started in I, your I, start, early 20s. I started to start doing stand-up till I was uh, almost thirty. Uh huh. Yeah. So. So in your twenties, you're a private investigator. Twenty-seven I mean, that's, after I got divorced. I was I was married when I was young. Married for five and a half years, and then I got divorced. And I was a criminology major in college, criminology and English literature. Uh, to which I'm very proud to say I have a degree in neither. I'm still. Couple of quarters shy. Couple of credits. Do you ever think about going back Never. and finishing that off? No, I oh, thought man. about it at one point, and then no, the life took a different turn. But um, when I uh, got divorced, it's just it's just uh, here's what I've always said about my my jobs. Because even in the one I'm in in now, I've never chosen my careers so much as my careers have chosen me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was. Uh, Someone approached me and said, uh, you know, what, so what are you doing now? And I said, I don't know. Did you ever think about being going into investigative work, you know, with your background and, and whatnot? And I go, yeah, I've always thought about it. But, uh, you know, never knew which avenue to pursue it or how to pursue it. So I was brought into this firm as an independent contractor, which uh, did work all across the country. They, weren't, they were based in Columbus, but they did work. All across the country. Like an investigative firm? Yeah, or an investigative firm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how I kind of got into it initially. And they would have you working on, like, insurance fraud cases? Uh, there was insurance fraud cases. There was intellectual property cases. One which uh, I was on for a very, very long time. I was actually uh, in the, in Chicago. Um, that, that case lasted almost a year and a half, posing as a uh, counterfeit watch dealer for trying to bust a uh, counterfeit watch ring in the Midwest. People in the Midwest were making counterfeit watches? Well, they would have them made somewhere else. They were made someplace else, but they they come across, they come from overseas without the stamps. So they get through customs, and then they get stamped. Mm -hmm. Um, So were they smuggled watches or counterfeit? No, these are watches that would come. The watches would come, the the fake Rolexes and the Movados and everything. They would come lookalikes. Mm-hmm. You know, they come across, and that's fine. They just look like watches. It didn't become an uh, an issue until you put that stamp on there, or that fake stamp, for that matter. That says that it's really that a... It's a Rolex or a Movado, and it's not. Oh. So they would sell these, and it, it gets very long and complicated. It was um, it was mostly Pakistanis, and, and um, I don't know how much I can go into all of that, but it was uh, the funds that were being... Raised from those counterfeit watches were going to uh, other devious matters. So it was very long, complicated. But I would come back uh, every so often to Columbus to file reports. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started going. To, and I've always been a fan of comedy. That's so I started going to open mics to kind of relax. And then there was an open mic. And I go, hey, you know what? Maybe I go up there and I watch people just bite it. And I go, shit, I can bite it for five minutes. I'm going to uh-huh. go up there and try it. Do you remember any of your first jokes? Um, yeah, I remember. I remember my uh, the very, very first joke I did was uh, about my name. You know, I just a uh, introductory thing, and, and 
uh, about Tripotis, and they'd say what my full name was. My full name is uh, my name is Dino Tripotis. My full name in Greek is Costandino Dimitrios Tripotis. Translated into English, that's Gust James Dino Tripotis. And for some reason, in Spanish, means yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. Stupid. That was the very first joke I ever did. But I bet it worked. It did work. Yeah, it did work. And I started doing. Uh, I didn't do joke jokes. I, I talked about my life, talked about my right. family, and talked about uh, you know personal. I never, I never talked about being a private investigator on stage. You never mentioned ever. It. I've never done a bit about it. Never, never talked about it. Never did jokes about it. Well, it sounds like just even talking about it now, and it's been more than how many twenty five years? Yeah. You're still like you don't want to talk about like oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk I, about there's that. There's a, like things, it sounds like there's an element of danger to it. There's not. I. <laughs> how do I how do I explain this? I, from time to time, I'll still consult. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a good word? On something. Yeah, well, I don't know what you're asking me as if, <laughs> as if I know. Yes, yeah, so I, as your attorney, I would advise you to use the word <laughs> consult. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I, yes, I consult. Would... I see what you mean. You're, so you're, so you're still, you're, you have a hand. I, uh, in. A, a very small, every once in a while, and not nearly as often as uh, it used to be. But I, I had a, an, I have an ability, I guess, to kind of see things a little deeper than the average person. So if someone stumped, if someone was stumped on something, I would take a look at it and offer. Oh, so like an insight, like this is what I, I know this and I know that. What do you think connects these things? I always used to say that the, when that I, that, and that's how I did, that's how I did my, I worked my own cases too. I was gonna say, I never sat in the bushes and waited for something to happen. I would make something happen. I would go in and actually, you know, breach that perimeter as somebody else, or or oh, you would pretend to be someone yeah, else. Yeah, in order to because I, I I didn't I wasn't patient enough to just sit and wait for something to happen because mm-hmm. sometimes I would make something happen. Um, very Rockford Files. Uh, you very know what? I owe it all to Jim Rockford. <laughs> I owe it all to Jim Rockford. Except I didn't have little fake business cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I also had the ability to kind of see things that weren't there. So. Um, I always said I was profiling before profiling was cool mm-hmm. back then. But uh, – and then, then the comedy uh, started to take off. I went from opening act to feature to headliner and I moved out to L.A. like, like everybody else. Um, was out there in, in L.A. For the, for the big quake. In what was that, 92? Yeah, it's, I, I think it was 91, but it was 91 or 92. I was in New York for that. I was just flying home that day from doing Letterman. And I got the, or maybe it was Caroline's Comedy Club or something. It was some, one of those. There's some. I was doing something in New York. I flew home that day. I got on the 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 one of the first planes to go, you know, cause they canceled a bunch of flights. Like my flight was full of reporters who were flying to LA to cover the quake. And I got there and there was no damage to my play. A couple of things tipped. Oh, over, I was right there. Broke. I was right. I was living in Canoga park. I was right there. So you were right in, in the earthquake, in the earthquake out there for show business out there. My, getting my in an earthquake. Actually state was up late that, that, uh, that night, uh, working on stuff, writing and, 
went to sleep like at four o'clock in the morning. And I remember the next day was uh, it was a holiday. It was either Martin Luther King Day or something. It was mm-hmm. something. A lot of people were off, and we're going to bed around four or five o'clock in the morning, and, and being in bed for about like forty five minutes, and then all of a sudden, you know, felt like a giant was literally shaking the house. And, yeah, and out of everything, in my that's probably it's probably the most scared I've ever been because there's nothing you can do. Right, right. That's why I'm glad that I was not there for that because I still have not I moved to LA just um before the San Francisco quake mm-hmm. happened sure. and and then I was out of LA when that Northridge quake happened. So I I still don't have that big traumatic experience in my past of where it's like holy crap i've only been in the smaller earthquakes where it's like oh this is weird and then it stops right and i remember having a couple of those like oh you know that's no big deal but that one that one i mean i actually felt like like i wanted to throw up afterwards because like you said there was nothing you could do and then did you have the walking refrigerator and dishes flying out oh, of the cabinets the, at your yeah, place? Shelves flying down. Everything, everything came off. Everything came off the walls. I remember, except there's one picture I had of uh, of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> that was the only. That was the only thing that didn't come off the wall. It's like it's almost like Frank said, "I'm not going down for no quake. Right. I'm not coming off the wall for this." But that was it. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, that's what I was saying about you're the type of guy. Who would have a picture of Frank Sinatra on his wall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, do. You still have a picture of Frank Sinatra hanging I have up somewhere? Pictures of Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, the, the Rat Pack, that whole, that whole era. I mean, if I had to be, I'm I'm going to be 55 this April. You know, I wish I could have been in the business back when they were in the business. I mean, if that was the, that was the time, I wish I could have been in my fifties at the height of the Rat Pack era. Such I, a different, such a different thing. I mean, I wonder what it would have been like though to try and make a living at at that not pinnacle level, because mm-hmm. you know now there's so many. I mean, I'm traveling around. I've got a house near the beach, and I'm working at the Columbus Funny Bone and uh, these other clubs. That when people show up, it's very unassuming. They don't they don't think you're in some kind of high level show business. But back then, it, I don't. There wasn't Columbus Funny Bones. There wasn't. Right. There wasn't these smaller clubs all over the place. No, you played. Uh, you, you, I guess you. Were there Playboy? There were Playboy clubs. Playboy clubs, Playboy yeah. And clubs I think you'd have to, or you'd have to get a, a smaller or casino clubs, yeah. or and or dinner supper mm-hmm. clubs. You know, where they with the nice tablecloths, and and then there'd be a show. So, did you? Do you ever sing? Do I? Ever can sing? you sing? I can sing. Yeah. yeah. I, and I've and I've I've uh, sang in my in my show. I mean, yeah, I have. Uh, I've done that. Um, much to the chagrin at, at one point of, of some comics who didn't think that was pure or, or, or yeah, there was a funny, there was a funny time kind of in the nineties where, where like, you know, if you, if you sang or did something, you know, you're a hack and I'm like, you know, fuck you. That's, it's funny. The audience likes it. Well, yeah. And who are you? The comedy police? Yeah. We're, we're both comedians. I, when I get introduced, I go up to the mic and I can do whatever I want as long as the crowd's happy. I'm allowed. I'm not stealing material. No. I'm singing songs. I'm telling my own stories. Exactly. Yeah. And so I had a couple of pieces that that I did. <clears throat> and they, and you know, as far as uh, the entertainment value, as far as the audience goes, you know, they loved it. And then obviously the club, the, and then you're doing well for the club. And 
Yeah. Yeah. So the earthquake happens. Are you then freaked out and want to move out of Los no, Angeles? Did no. you have to move out of your house? Was your was your place damaged? No, so you couldn't we, live there we, we had minimal, considering we were right on the fault line of yeah. it all. Um, we had a very small amount of, of damage, just a lot of stuff inside the house. Foundation of the house that we were living in was fine. So, no, we lucked out in that respect. And, no, I still stuck around, stuck around. Um and and did what everybody else was doing went out on auditions i auditioned for um ellen's show when it was just ellen or the one that uh, the the, sitcom show the sitcom show yeah i auditioned for that and i believe um i had a good audition and but i believe in the long run ari gross got, got my part uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think he was on that show. Oh, for the regular. That uh, that was a big that was yeah. a, that would have been a big part to get that on that show. That would have been show. a big part. Um Ah, uh, the big part that got away. The big part that got away. There's a there was a lot of moments like that where you got close. Um and what what I always find very interesting is uh uh did you ever do Comic Strip Live, the Fox show? Uh no. With Wayne I didn't Cotter. do that. But the, but that but there were all of those yeah, different. That was a offshoot of the evening at the Improv type of a show, right? right where Which it would be he that. would host it, and then he'd bring on three comics in a half an hour, and everybody right. do so. It was an hour on Comic Strip Live oh, on yeah. Fox. It was a uh, yeah because I did the uh, the comedy on the road with John Biner. Uh huh. I did you know the A and E. I did those, and then then but the big my one and only big national credit was was Comic Strip Live. And let me tell you the lineup. Okay, because this is what this is what makes me laugh. On your episode of Comic Strip Live, okay. Wayne Cotter, who's, Wayne Cotter, who's a friend, who messed up my name uh, in the oh, intro. Oh, Wayne. Okay, no big deal. That's Dino Tripodis. Yeah. Dino Tripodis. Uh, he messed it up. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Here's who was on the show. Okay, <laughs> Louis C.K., Sarah Silverman, Dave Attell. Dino Tripodis. That's your episode. Yeah. That's your episode. One of these things is not like the others <laughs> now in current day. Well, or you or, you know, what a different path you've taken. But at that moment, you guys were all in the same point the same, of your career. Right. Yeah. 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 And, I, you know, and I marvel at that because they've all uh, and, and they're all great. I mean, uh, they're all great. I love each and every one of them and how they do what they do. Um and I always wonder if I would have stuck with it where it would have gone. To stayed with the stand-up. So at Stay that point, it. you're in L.A., and you're really pursuing it full-time. You're trying mm-hmm. to act. You're trying to get TV exposure. Right. You're going on the road a little bit. Right. And uh, you've you've laid off of the investigator stuff, mm-hmm. or maybe you're dabbling uh, a little on the uh, side. I, I, I did a little bit of freelance. I did one case, a couple cases when I was in L.A. Uh, one in particular was uh, the client was a pornographer. He, I mean, now we're talking, you know, <laughs> at fake watch crap. Who wants to hear about that? Your client is a pornographer. The fake watch stuff was pretty intense. I almost lost my life on the fake watch. Is stuff. that the one where you got shot? Uh, it's, uh, it's another story for another time. But the pornographer, Maybe we can't tell the you can't tell the getting shot story. I'd rather not. It's, are you? Is it? Is it a danger thing, or are you just like? No, not a danger thing. I just I just hate talking about it. Okay, you got that. You've got this old school way about you, like like this reminds. Reminds me of my uncle who would never talk about World uh, War II. He just didn't like to talk. He's just like, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but the pornographer was, and that was a legitimate client. He was, he was, uh, his, his issue was that 
somebody was uh, once again it was a infringement case. You know, Counterfeit somebody, somebody, vaginas somebody, somebody are coming was, across the border. Well, no, but somebody was actually. Actually, I don't know. Uh, that damn thing. It's supposed to be off right now. It is supposed to be. You got yeah. it on stop. I know. I think it'll shut off in a second. Hopefully, we're not going to pick up too much of that noise. <sighs> There's no off button. I know. This fan thing. Look, yesterday it did this, and it cut off shortly right. after. It's just, we're going to pretend right. that that's not happening. But um, we'll fix yeah, that somebody, was, somebody was duplicating his product. Basically bootlegging his stuff. Oh, so he's got... He, that would have been VHS time. Yes, VHS time. He's legitimately putting out you know, good quality pornography and somebody's cutting into his business and bootlegging his product. And they're so, running copies of his VHS tapes right, and they're right. copying the boxes and then they're selling them right. and he's not getting any of that right. money. So which means I had to go to pretty much every... As many as I could find, anyway, which is they're in abundance in LA. Every sleazy, nasty, you know, adult uh, video adult store. Bookstore. But that was back then when it was much more not as not not mainstream like porn is yeah, now. Not I as mean, porn is sort of accessible yeah. as it is now. So, yeah, that was one of the cases that I worked. And uh, long story short, ended up uh, this guy was not only uh, bootlegging this guy's stuff; he was bootlegging a bunch of stuff. Ended up being traced to a big. A duplicating facility in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Done. Crack the case. Crack. Done. Finished. Was Man. there any kind of gratitude? Did you get? Did you get to meet any porn stars? <laughs> no, I didn't meet or any. Or go to the Christmas party, uh, Dino? No, no porn stars. No nothing. Oh, just, boy. just. Uh, I thought this. Just gratitude was... and for a job well done. That's when I saw my first. Uh, that's when I saw my first uh, at one of the stores. The the, the plug in the wall. Vagina, which amazed me. That the you plug actually, in the wall vagina? Yeah. What are you talking about? You could actually, it was a vagina that you could plug into the wall and then you could stick your, you could stick your dick in it and, and it would, it would move. Well, now they have that f- fleshlight thing, which is like a portable sort of a thing. Like yeah. I, I, I am embarrassed to even admit that I know about that thing, but that's a fairly common modern day thing but this is like you're having sex with something that's plugged into the wall um uh, yeah i mean it had it, it had a cord that plugged in the wall so the actual you could be <laughs> relaxing on your sofa the actual box <laughs> so, so yeah. to speak was it uh, had oh, a little man. bit of a cord so, on it and i'm like okay and and i'm oh like oh my god yeah i just can't imagine see, i to find out about that in whatever year it was 19 19- 89 or 93 or whenever you would have seen that must have just been so bizarre Uh, and i was you know and then of course i'm intrigued so you can actually ejaculate into this and it's plugged into something i mean that seems like seems like a hazard yeah it seems like it would not be uh the safest thing to do but he goes oh yeah we sell a lot of those i'm like jesus okay sell a lot of those man and again, before the internet, so he's selling those in ads in magazines or something like that. Or yeah, something. it was just oh, it wasn't the actual pornographer that was selling those. It was actually in the, one of the. Oh, I that saw, would be in the shop. Found them in the shop. That would be in the shop. When I was looking to see mm-hmm. if I could find bootleg product initially, right. you I, might as well have a look the, around, see in what's the in there. Infancy of the investigation, uh, and I came across the various things that are out there for uh, those who are lacking in in love. Yeah. <laughs> Lonely. Yes. You got to be lonely to be having sex with a thing that's plugged <laughs> into the wall. I think. I mean, that is that's. I I really 
feel so if you're listening now and you're after you're done listening to this <laughs> you're going to go have sex with something that's plugged into the wall i i I feel I'm empathizing with I, you, and, buddy. And uh, I applaud the industry for 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 you know taking the steps that they have to where you can actually, you know, do something like that with something that's uh, more lifelike. The love doll, the battery yeah, operated yeah. love doll. I mean, doll. you know, whatever yeah. people need, I'm I'm happy for those people that they, you know, yeah, it's not just a a plug in vagina. All right, this has yeah. taken an interesting turn. It has taken it. Well, eventually, <laughs> we do like to get around to uh, plug-in vaginas if we can, if we have time. Mm-hmm. So so you're in Los Angeles. You're doing this uh, a little bit of investigating stuff. You're trying Very to get little. your comedy yeah. career going. Right. And then uh, you decide to come back to Columbus? What happens? No. The decision was kind of... You, you've done the, the, the showcases... Mm-hmm. Galore, where the the industry showcases. Everybody's seen you. Everybody's seen you. Well, you've done that, you know, and you pray and you hope that you get that one showcase, that is the showcase, the one where everybody's talking to your manager and everybody wants to take a meeting with you and everything's going your yeah. way. That golden moment. You're gonna get your own TV show, uh, or you're gonna become the guy on the TV show that they're doing. You got that Belzer moment, yes, where you've been around forever and now they put you in this perfect role. In this TV show that you get to do for the rest of I don't your even life. know if it's going to be the TV show per se or not, but it's it's that moment where there's there, like everybody wants uh-huh. to talk to you. And I have that showcase at the improv and it, it goes – it couldn't have gone better. And my manager at the time, a guy named Tom Stinson, God rest his soul, which I'll come back to because uh, he, he recently passed away. He says everybody's buzzing. We, you know, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be it's gonna be busy. Well, I'm also booked the following week to go on a cruise ship for four weeks to make some money. Yeah, a All gig, right? a gig. Four weeks. Four weeks. Oof. Four weeks. That's a long time on a boat. A, yeah, on a boat, and I'm gonna make good money, and I need the money. Yeah. And uh, showcase yeah. was like on a on a. A Wednesday, a Tuesday, or a Wednesday night—I can't remember—and I'm literally getting on the boat on a on the following uh, Monday or Tuesday, whatever. I'm leaving soon, mm-hmm. and I go, "Well, let's let's talk to these people. You know, anybody wants to talk, let's 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 do it." You're right, because before you get on the boat, you want to yeah. you want to. He's like, lock "No," he goes, he goes, he goes. Let's wait till you get back, and I go, and I, and, and, and and as wrong as that sounded to me, I'm like, okay. Uh, since I've been out here, he he got me on the uh, he got me comedy on, comedy on the road. He got me comic strip live. I've uh-huh. had auditions for Ellen and met with producers and so forth and this and the other thing. He I was uh, with uh, Gino Michelini who did the five o'clock funnies. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, in I was, L.A. on the radio. Yeah, I was a feature on the five o'clock funnies. You know, so he's done everything. He's done a lot of good things for you. And things. Your instinct is is to go strike while the iron's hot, but he's advising you just wait for a month. And so your instinct is. To and when say, you know, we'll have okay, meetings. Well, you know, let's not. Let's not. Well, we won't. I'll take care of things while you're gone, and I'll set up stuff. All right. So I begrudgingly agree, and I go and I do the cruise ship, and I make the money, and I come back, and nothing. Cold. Ice. Like the showcase never happened. 
Really? So one minute you're hot, everybody wants to talk to you, and then you go away for a month. You and come I don't back. understand it. I don't either. I don't understand it. And in the meantime, in that in that process, Columbus, Ohio, where we are right now, calls and says, uh, "Would you like to be a co-host on a radio show with Bob Simpson?" who was a longtime radio guy. And I say, no, I'm in L.A. I'm not going to come back to Columbus to be a sidekick on a radio station. Morning radio. Yeah, morning radio. Things are going, you know, things things are, I feel like things are going to pop here. Yeah. So I say no. And I say no twice. And uh, I come back from the cruise ship, and it's it's dead. And, and What happened? And Tom is like, I, you know, I don't know what happened. He goes, maybe you were right. Maybe we waited too long. Oh, jeez. The other you can't thing. say maybe you were right, you know, Tom. Okay, all right. So I get the third offer to do the radio, and because he had told me, he had advised me, don't do it. Stay here. You know, I'm like, your manager. Yeah, said, my manager. Yeah, stay don't here. do the radio. Don't stay go here. back to Columbus. But he has no explanation for why this heat is cooled off. Wait. Okay, it, there it is. Comes. All right, good. It comes years later. The explanation comes years later. Um, years, okay. So years, yeah, I'll let you tell. literally, all right. Years later, the explanation comes, and it's the explanation that when I tell you, you almost don't want it. You almost wish you had never heard it. Oh, how about that, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening. You can't wait. But first, you decide to come back to Columbus then and take the radio. Finally, figured, third offer. You decide you're going to decide to come back and, and be the. Uh, the sidekick, the co-host for this guy named Bob Simpson, great radio guy. So you're disappointed and mystified, yeah, by this uh, this happening with your with your LA career because the heat has completely cooled off. Completely. So you pack up and move back to Columbus to be a morning radio well, guy. Sort of pack up. I keep a presence in LA. So you're not. You're just saying, look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go take the money in Columbus. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna sort sort out this confusion about Los Angeles a little right. bit. Right. But I'm going to be able to come back because I'm going to have a day job and in I Columbus. Do. So you can fly back to L.A. And I do. And I come back. I, I, I was I was, I was was flying back every couple of months uh, and, and and doing sets. And, uh, you know, it I was uh, thanks to uh, Lenny Clark. I was uh, – uh-huh. uh, Lenny got me in the comedy store. You know, so I, I had regular sets at the comedy store. I could still come back and do. And I was doing that. I kept phone and everything going because I honestly thought the radio, I'll make some money. I think they offered me, I, I think, uh, like forty-five, fifty thousand dollars to be the sidekick for that. You know, that was that was the year. That's what I was going to make. These are nineteen ninety-two. This is nineteen ninety-four. 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 Um, so. At that point, it's like, go ahead and make the steady paycheck, pay some bills. My daughter, who was living here in Columbus, was turning 13 years of age. It seemed like a good time to maybe, you know, be there, be a, yeah. a steady presence as opposed to the every four weeks of coming home to see her, that type of thing. So it, I was trying to rationalize and, 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 and make sense of it all, make, trying to make it a good thing. It's a it's funny because I'm sure there are people listening right now who are thinking he's trying to rationalize taking a $50,000 a year job. He's trying to say like, well, I know it sounds terrible, but I'm going to go ahead. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great job. You get to be, see your daughter. Yeah. So what you're giving up is 
the L.A. wild card, which looks like it's... And it is. It's a wild card. And it looks like... And now it looks like it's like I have to start... It's it's like... Uh, um, it's, you know, I have to start from square one, it feels like. Because... I, and I can't figure out why, why my manager is so despondent. It's just so uh, defeated looking. I mean, it's, it's somebody I've never seen before. Because normally mm-hmm. he's always been so up and positive and... And that type uh-huh. of thing, and and I don't get it. So I go home. I take the I take the job, and um, the show doesn't work. The radio show doesn't work. Um, the The ratings are are horrible. And in October of uh, nineteen ninety five, they fire Bob Simpson. How long have you been on at that point? A year. Yeah. Yeah. September of ninety four. They fire him. I say to uh, the other people on the show, the show is called Bob Simpson and Company. I, I tell the company, I go, look, I said, uh, it's just us now from October till December. They're going to get a new morning show in here in January. We're all going to be out of a job. Screw it. Let's just have fun and not worry about it. Let's not worry about where, what we're going to do in January. Let's just have fun. So yeah. we have fun in that particular uh, in, incarnation of the show, which is me and uh, uh, Stacy McKay and my producer at the time, Mike Elliott, <clears throat> and the ratings go up in that next rating period. When you're just goofing around, just goofing around, having fun, ratings go up. So January rolls around, and I'm expecting I get the call in the office, and then here it comes. Thank you for being here. Sorry this work, didn't work out. And you I'm, think you're getting fired. I think I'm getting fired. I think I'm going back to L.A. I'm ready. You know, I haven't I, – I had apart- You still got your apartment. I had an apartment in Columbus anyway, and I had a place out in L.A. still. All right. So, so you're so you got two locations. I you're got fine. Two locations. You can I had do a little shitty apartment in Columbus that I always kept because I knew I was always going to come home to visit my daughter. So I kept my apartment in Columbus. I kept the you know I still I I, I told the people that I was living with in L.A. You know, save my room, and everything's fine. I'm going back to L.A. Time to start all over again, which is fine. No, 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 no. They decide that they like how the show's going, the direction it's going, and they offer us a four year contract. <clears throat> Four years now. now. Now you're deep into and, it. And a raise mm-hmm. in sure. salary, of course. Cause sure. Now no. you're, now well, now you're, you're a morning show host. Now you're the guy. Yeah. You know? Now you're the guy. That coupled with a now 14-year-old daughter who, who, when she finds out that there's a four-year contract, you know, looks at you in those, with those big teenage eyes and said, you know, you're going you're gonna to take, take it, aren't you, Pa? Pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty sweet to have. I mean, my daughter's nine, and we worry when she's a teenager that she's going to be less interested in us. So it's very sweet to have a teenage daughter who really wants you around. She doesn't just want you. Know, like, I'm going to be with my friends. You go do whatever you do. I'm, I'm, she wants you to be here. Yeah, she wants him to be here. So uh, I, I, I take the, the four-year gig thinking, okay, you know, this won't work either. You know, they'll realize they made a a horrible mistake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within a year or two, no, that's not the case. The show ends up being very successful, uh, ends up jumping to the top of the heap, being the top rated show in, in the market, uh, stupid, crazy good ratings. And 
the four year. What was the secret of the of your success of the show? Did you have a shtick or a? There was no. Um, I, I I think it was a a very simple he said she said type of type of uh, relationship on the program. You know, it wasn't so much about bits and waka waka. You know, and 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 canned stuff and. But and she's so kind of doing the girly girl thing, and you're you're coming at it from the yeah Dean Martin. Frank Sinatra, kind of, yeah, have just, a scotch and, and different, yeah, and and more lifestyle type. Talk. It was more conversational as it was to, you know, bits and characters and and yep. and, and what if? Zoo. Yeah, it was it was just it was it was more real, and that's the way pretty much the show has has stayed all these years, except the fact that we've gotten older and the situations uh, are different. You know, well, and radio has changed a and ton too. I mean, now. A lot. So now in my twentieth uh, year. So this is twenty years later in just the how many five incarnations of that show since then you are still I'm still still there. the guy. There's only been a couple of uh changes in the program. It's it stayed pretty much but uh, yeah, I've been there since nineteen ninety four as starting off as the as the sidekick and, and the reason and, and comedy is the reason I got that gig to begin with because I was a regular guest on that show when I was a comedian. Yeah. And yeah. I would yeah. do phone ins and, uh, you know, from the row. So there was, there were already a presence. That's how they, that's how they initially approached me. You know, we've done research and you know what they do. They, the radio stations love their research and I would pop up on the research as, as things that audience liked. So that's mm-hmm. the program. They like him, get him, hire him. You know, I kept trying to tell. I even told him that in the first two, the first time, first two times I said no. I said, I said I'm the cousin that comes to visit. I'm, I'm I'm the funny cousin that comes to visit your station every once in a while, and it's nice. He's funny, then he leaves. I said, when the if you if you're trying to talk them out of hiring uh, you right now, if you move the cousin in. It's it's not going to be fun anymore. They take him. They take him for granted. Yeah. Now he's you turned into a parent. Exactly. Uh, But they they were they were right and you were wrong. About that, they were right, they were wrong. But I remember when I took the job, and uh, just before I was, I was about, I had moved back. It was about three weeks before I was going to start on the air with Bob, and I was headlining at the Funny mm-hmm. Bone, and Bob came to my show, and did my show. It was a great show. And after I got off stage, we were at the bar, and he says to me. Don't take the job. Don't stop doing what you're doing. This is the guy who you're going to go be the sidekick. Right. He goes, back out. Don't take the job. You need to keep doing this. You're too talented at stand-up. You need to keep doing doing the stand-up. I'm like, what? Well, because he he sees you taking this fork in the road, and he knows how hard it's going to be to get back to where you used to be. And that is the funny thing about stand-up comedy is it can lead so many places for so many different people. You know, I started off stand-up live performance, and I still, that's my main thing. But I know so many people who have, in your case, become morning radio celebrities, really, or they've become talk show hosts, or they've become behind-the-scenes writer-producers on sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I mean, or they become movie stars, or they become actors, uh, TV actors. You know, I mean, I've just- seen so many of the of, of those uh of my uh, friends and, and, and comedy acquaintances uh, go on to uh, other things. Michael Loftus, 
is from Columbus, Ohio, and he's currently writing on uh, Charlie Sheen's show, mm-hmm. Arrested Development. Before that, he was working on the George Lopez show. And while he is uh, a great performer, he's kind of taking this behind the scenes. Well, once you make that, once you take that fork in the road, like this, route. this guy Bob is telling you, don't take this fork in the road because as much as you can still do live stand up, your your job on the radio is is going to keep you. You can't go on the road and do live stand up. I did like in that first year when I was the sidekick, and there wasn't as much pressure on me to deliver the goods. You know, I did stay on the road. I still. On my vacation weeks, I I went to clubs. But that'd be a few weeks a year. Yeah, I mean, but I still I still yeah, did you're it. Still, it, it, but it's dabbling. It's I, not. Yeah, it's it not. Wasn't, it uh, wasn't as pursuing it as a full time. You know, it wasn't thirty five, forty weeks. And and writing five weeks. You know, an road, hour right? new material yeah. every couple of years. You're not exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and and what am I going to say? Do I have regrets? No, no. I mean, yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask because I, it's from where I'm sitting it seemed i always enjoy coming back here and hanging out with you and kind of talking about your life and what's going on right and it always seems to me that you've got this it's not what i did and i don't know it's one of those choices that you make and you don't realize the ramifications of it when you're making it but then now that i see how it's played out for you it always seems like you're having a great life when I come back here. You're it going, is a good life. It's you know, a- you're a, you're a celebrity here. You're going out to events. You know, you you can go on stage and there is nothing wrong with being. There's nothing negative about being the big fish in in the smaller smaller pond, and and I don't even consider myself the big fish. I, I really don't. I've never had that thought process like ooh look at me you know who is the big fish in the in a town like columbus would it be the local news guy would it be <laughs> the local weather guy cuz that's that's how when i look at places like los angeles you know the local sports guys are the guys that then go national the local news guys right. are always just local news I, guys i don't i don't i don't know i don't know who the big fish is i don't think i'm the big fish i was only using that expression to yeah, say no, i know i know but from from the fact that it's provided me a nice income and, and a nice home and uh great friendships uh a great uh relationship you know uh so it's provided me stability and and those type of things that's what i mean by a big fish in a small pond that opportunity i, I don't know who the big i know there's people in this town that probably think they're the big fish uh, and, 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 and and keep in mind, I'm talking about entertainment. Right. I'm not talking about the guy who's the building contractor. No, or no, the, I'm talking about in the media. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's folks that think that they are, and that's that 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 they're that they're big fish, they're big shit, and I, I've never had that attitude to, or that to, demeanor to, to to aspire to that or to wear that with pride is kind of uh, that's what's gonna once you start doing that, you that's the road to being an asshole. I think so. I, I totally agree. Yeah, and I you, know, you t- can enjoy it, but if you start taking it seriously, you're going to be in trouble. People say, "Wow, you've been doing this for 20 years on the same show. That's that's amazing." I go, "Yeah, it is amazing because radio is a very fickle industry." Oh, dude, and, so many people, so I, many professional radio people. I thank who- my lucky stars every day. I like you know, and if if I every year that I've been there, I keep thinking that's ah, the year where they come to their senses and and say thank you, but no thank you. You know, it, it could it could change tomorrow. Well, at this point. You're so you would probably be able to go to another radio 
job in this market. But you could also, you know, do live performance. You've got enough of a name regionally and enough talent to be able to, you know, you're, we're close enough to the finish line, Dino, you and I. <laughs> that, uh, I feel like the, we're going to finish the race. It yeah. just is, I, you know, where, where in in the range of placings we are going to come and, in. That's, and we're going to finish the race. And what's what's there? I mean, is it, is is there a medal or is it just like, hey, good race? Here's a juice box. You know. It's a box. The end of the race is a box. That's what happens. You get in the box, and they put the box in the ground, and that's the uh, end of the race. That, oh, that end of the race. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I don't know when. That's I mean, going. I don't. I don't. I don't know what other race there is that we're in besides the race to just enjoy our lives and and try and have as much kind of fun and connections to other people who we's com- who who we who we's company we enjoy. <laughs> yeah, who, who's we's company with. But it's also given me the and and I, I know there's some guys that have been in radio and that's all they do is is they eat sleep and and breathe the radio. I haven't done that. I've kept my my foot in the comedy waters by continuing to work out here at the at the Funny Bone and and do shows. Um, I still write and and started getting into producing some things and with film mm-hmm. and. And while those haven't been breakout successes, they're still successful in that I've done them. Can people watch those on the internets? Yeah. Yeah. On the internets? Sure. There's a bunch of stuff. There's some short films. There's a, uh, there's a film we produced about, it's been about five years now, uh, called Minus One, which was, uh, which was well received and, and won some festival awards, um, and there's the one that we're currently working on now, probably the the biggest project. They got stalled in the water. Uh, What's that called? Of this year. Star in the Snowman. It's a crime drama, and it's a really good script. And uh, it was the largest budget that we've ever personally had. To me, a five hundred thousand dollar budget is huge. Right, right. The right. other films that we've made have been, you know. Twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars here and there, and that was. But we decided with a five hundred thousand dollar budget, you know, there's no way we're putting up our own money this time. We're actually going to be smart about it and find other people to invest in the movie. Yeah. We did have an investor, and they backed out and at the last minute. So we're we're back to square one on that. But that film is going to get made. Yeah, good Kickstarter. We did a Kickstarter to get the or the pre-production. We did we did we got oh yeah we did Kickstarter and got the pre-production money. To do, and we shot some stuff, and in, in, in the the film ironically takes place in Steubenville, Ohio, which is my unofficial hometown. Uh, what do you mean unofficial? Uno- I wasn't born there. I was born in Gary, Indiana. I was lived in Chicago, and then uh, moved to Greece when uh, with uh, when my father <clears throat> became a bit disillusioned with uh, America. We moved back to Greece when I was nine. How long? How long did you live in Greece? Uh, for a nine-year-old, it seemed like an eternity. I lived there till I was eleven, and then um, my father, my mother was supposed to get a job uh, with the embassy in in Greece, which would give me free tuition to go to the American community schools in Athens. Mm-hmm. She didn't get the job, so we had to pay tuition. My father said no. I'm not paying a tuition for a second year. He can go to Greek school. Well, now I'm 10, and in order to go to Greek school, I would have had to have started in the first grade in the beginning. You know. You mean you would have had to, as a 10-year-old, go back to first grade? Right. 
Oh my, my mother God. wouldn't. My mother would would not have that. She said, "I'll send him back to the states before I do that." So my father said, "Fine, send him." So I came back to Steubenville, Ohio, which is my mother was born in Steubenville, and I lived. So there. she came back. You no. and she came back. No. What? No. No. She stays there with him. She stays there with the, with the old man and my sister, who was just starting school at that point. So she was okay. She goes into the first grade just like a little Greek girl at that point. I come back oh, all, by Dino. My, all by myself um, and at 11 years of age. Oh. I'm living in Steubenville, Ohio with my grandparents and my Uncle Chris. And for the next two years, that's, 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 my, that's my life until my parents' marriage, which was never a good one to begin with, finally, you know, officially split. So... Two two and a half years later, my my mother and my sister came back to Steubenville, and that became home. Right. But what was those two years? I mean, you must have felt so shitty to be to have your parents just go, "Look, we're doing our life over here, and you can go you you go be a nine nine ten eleven year old um, on your own. You can do that. You can handle that, Dino. Just go." My, my, I know it broke my mother's heart. I don't know. I don't think it really affected my. I had a very strange relationship with my father. Um, all through, all through the years, um, I went back and saw him when I was fourteen. I went and they and spent the summer there, and my mother was now here, and I went back there. and I and I remember saying point blank to him, "Are you and mom gonna ever get back together?" And he said, "No, it's done." And I remember that when he said that, I came back to Steubenville. And after that summer was over, and that's when I knew that uh, I was unofficially the man of the house. You know, I started looking at things in a whole different perspective. I I started working. I got a part time job. You know, I, mm-hmm. I at fourteen. At fourteen, yeah, yeah, at fourteen. But uh, but when you when they send you back on your own, would the whole rest of your family is living in Greece and having a life, and they say you just go you you're on you were on your own at. at Nine years old. They, yeah, I was on a plane. I was on in a, a way. In a, I mean, I know you're going to live with family, but just to be, right. I mean, that's that's sort of like, hey, you're a big boy now. Go. Yeah, but 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 it was it was tough because I had one of these uh, the overbearing grandmothers who wouldn't let me do anything because yeah. she didn't want anything to happen to me on her watch. So her idea of 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 making that uh, be the case where nothing would happen was to not let me do anything right so you so, didn't have independence so it was like like almost like a prisoner she let me do a couple of things she let me uh let me go to the library which is right across the street and she would let me go to the movies uh which was a little couple few more blocks down the street and this is back when steubenville was an actual uh, a thriving community and downtown was actually a, a downtown not the shuttered up you know post-apocalyptic town that it looks like now so mm-hmm. So that's where I, you know, my grandmother gets, uh, whether it's deserved or undeserved credit for me being a voracious reader because the library was an outlet and also my love for film because I, I would see two double features every uh-huh. Saturday and, and you know, that was her fault <laughs> because yeah, that was one of the yeah. few things I was allowed to do. Then when my mother and my sister came back, we eventually moved out of my grandmother's house and Rented a place in Steubenville, but my father, I didn't see him again for 20 years. 
So from 14 to 34. To 34. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Would you talk to him on the phone a little bit or um, not really? I saw him mm, occasionally on the phone. He came back from my sister's wedding and uh, it was then that my uh, my uncle, his brother said, you need to go to Greece and spend some time with your father. And at that point, I said, you know, I was on the road. I was, you know, doing the comedian thing. And I right. said, you know, I really don't have the, the money to get a ticket to go to Greece. He bought my ticket. And I went there and I spent a month and a half <clears throat> with my father. And that was that was good in some ways. I mean, I had a lot of questions. I also met my half-brother for the first time because my father had remarried and divorced again, but in the process uh, had had another son. So I met my half-brother, uh, Alex, for so the first time. So you're 34, and he'd be how old? 20 That's 34, 32, I can't remember. He was 18. Yeah, he was so you 18. met him. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then once again, you know, it was – it became – one of those fragmented can count on my hand the number of times I saw him. He came back to the States one other time when his, uh, his brother's wife passed away. And at that point, my, my brother, half brother was living with me too. He had come back to this. He had come to the States. And when my father came back to Indiana for that funeral, I said, you're in the States. You should come to Columbus and see your two sons, see your, see your two sons. And out of my entire, you tell him that, huh? You got to tell him that. He I had to tell him that. that. I had to tell him that. But and it was, it was bittersweet. I mean, he came. He just doesn't get it, really, does he? Well, he. I don't a, think if he, if he, if he did get it, he never expressed it or showed it. Um, but he came to Columbus, and out of an entire lifetime. With my father, I have that one week. He he came on a on a Monday, and we had poker night at my house, and he was there for poker night, and and he was thrilled with uh, what an exceptional host I was. Yeah, you know, he he loved the fact that there were people in the house and and everybody was comfortable. And, and he likes to and, see that you are a grown man who's got friends and yes. you're living a life that's great. It makes sense. And then him he feel comes good. to the radio station and he's on the air with me. Yeah, you know, and now he's on he's on the radio with me, and it's it's a great it's a great moment on the radio. You know, his uh, my father was always a notorious uh, ladies man. So while he's on the radio and he's... You're, you uh, have uh, been in the past just a little bit of a ladies' man. Yeah, well... Yeah, yeah no, I know. So, you don't like to talk about uh, it. What's, I guess what's bred in the, in, in the bone, so to speak. But, uh, but my father's... It was amazing because my father's English was not so good initially on the program. But as soon as calls started to come in and, and, and women started to call to say, welcome, James, to the show, all of a sudden his English got better. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's I, it's, uh, my favorite line. It's, uh, and it was, it's, it's maybe not funny out of context. So he's got an accent too. Right? He's got an accent. He goes, oh, yes, you must come. You must come to uh, my island, uh, my island, Icaria, where I have a lovely home, and uh, you come to my house, and we go downstairs to the, I have a nice bar with uh, special lights. <laughs> special lights. I don't know what that meant, but it stuck uh, with me. Maybe you like a blue light bulb, or I also have a kind of a pink light bulb that some ladies like. 
Uh, he's also responsible for probably if I if I had to have a, if I if I was known for having a signature piece when I was on the road, it was a bit about my father called "You Are Not Emotionally Prepared," and I and and which was a, like a five minute bit. Yeah. The, and and uh, what's briefly, you don't you don't have to. Do oh, well, it, but what's a, the, what's the just uh, was that I a would, thing he would say? Well, when I went there to when I was a comic and went back to spend that month with him, and we had these heart to heart chats about everything. I wanted some, I had some hard questions, and I knew there were going to be some hard answers as a result of these questions. And I remember when I asked him one time, he he he, you know crossed his leg over and he lit a cigarette and put it in his mouth and he shook his head and went, oh no, I cannot tell you that. You are not emotionally prepared for the answers I would give you. Which was a very serious moment but it, that that stuck in my head and I ended up doing this whole bit about uh, you know, how my father was so smooth and, and so so European and, and uh, the bit started with uh, young girls coming up to you and you're like, you know, you're older and you don't really have the tolerance to deal with them wishing that I could have been my father at that point in time when these conversations would occur. Uh Like, hi, I really loved your show. Can I talk to you? Oh, no, I cannot speak to you. You are not emotionally prepared for what I have to say. You know, conversationally, I could devastate you. You, You've heard the bit. Yeah, yeah. I wish that that's what you had said to me earlier when you didn't want to talk about the uh, watch people. (laughs) You should have just instead of I cannot tell you that story. You're not emotionally prepared for the danger that was involved with that particular incident in my life. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that was like the greatest week. He was like at my house. He was on the radio. There was a big lunch, radio lunch thing. He was there. He met people. We went to dinner. He came to the Funny Bone that Thursday night, and I was hosting the show, and I did that bit, You Are Not Mm -hmm. Emotionally Prepared, bit in front of him. And then I had the opportunity to say, you know, and the bit killed, and I go, the the man who inspired that but is actually here visiting this my father brought him up on stage he takes a bow he's blowing kisses to the audience he takes a bow and everything it's like it's like all these moments in 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 one week it's almost like it's almost like god smiled or something and said you know here it's been shitty for like 36 years of your life and i'm going to give you all this in in one week and i was with my brother Mm-hmm. And and then uh, and then on Friday, he's on a plane. You know, kiss him and hug him goodbye, and and he's gone. Yeah. And and when when I say he's gone, he's gone. There's no like this is what we needed to to get things. That's, this isn't the renaissance of your relationship. Yeah. Here. He's not calling you now from week to week and planning right. another trick for. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I mean, it's done. It's a, he's back to Greece. He's back to his way of life. I go back to mine, and I have this one week. And some people who who will go with a uh, a glass half full mentality will tell you, well, at least you had that one week. There's some people that never get never get to experience any part of that, you know, with their father. So I get that, but you know, it's almost like it, it was like it was like great, and it almost kind of pissed me off at the same time. You know, it's like it's like you, you had it, and then you gave me a taste of what what could have been, might have been. But in my heart, I know it wouldn't have been like that. I know these were these were special circumstances. The the stars aligned for, to make everything good. I'm we, better. I would have been better. I, I know in the long run, knowing my father, 
and the bastard of a man that he was, that in the long run, I was probably better off not being in his presence throughout my childhood than if I would have been. I know that's harsh to say, but it's true. Well, just a couple of the the facts of the you know sending you home instead of coming back with you yeah, or leaving originally. No remorse and, and over all, that. Yeah, and and all of these other things. I mean, it's obvious that he has. It's obvious that he's kind of into his own thing. He he himself is more important than his relationship with you. That's the way he acts a lot. But it is nice. Or, or I guess what you're saying is that one week kind of makes you feel like, oh, geez. I mean, it, it's you are capable of being a decent human being and experiencing a connection to me, and it's sort of sort of puts a real exclamation point right. on the fact that you you're an asshole for not pursuing that more. So you know that, what I mean? Yeah. Does that make any sense? It I, makes perfectly good sense. Because then I don't see him again until he gets uh, diagnosed with cancer. And my brother, who's living here at the time, goes back to Greece. How many years is this after uh, the this week? Is, this, my, my father passed away after after the trip when he was yeah. here, after the great week, uh, a, a good, you know, five, six, yeah, yeah. seven years after the fact. Um, my brother goes back to take care of my father or to be with my father. And my sister tells me that we should go see him so my sister and my daughter who never really got to know my father at all goes with yeah. me we take a trip to greece for two weeks and um if you didn't know he had cancer you wouldn't know he had cancer i mean this is a guy that smoked five packs of cigarettes a day i think when he had the cancer he cut back down to two or three you know yeah. he was fine if you didn't know he was sick you wouldn't have known he was sick he was up and around and and so the fact is he's got a timer yeah, he's got a time now on him. He's he's on his way. He's on his way. But but it's not. But at that particular time, when we go back to visit, and there's a, you know, and I have it all. I've I, I have it all. I, I videotaped a lot of that trip. Um, took a camera with me, and there were just a couple of moments like, man, what is this guy about? So it wasn't. It wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't on his best behavior. He was he, he, no. He was no. He was he was good. He was he was fine. I'm saying like, what are the things? You know, I'm under the impression of the things that you told me that your relationship with my mother wasn't a good one. You know, he he talked about how uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing that you two uh, children are even exist today because you know your mother was not the. The most uh, like okay, you know, I don't want to hear. Him. He wants to badmouth your mother and yeah, her abilities well, as this, a parent. This is, one of the, this is one of the earlier conversations, and then we're sitting there and we're and we're talking, and he just quietly gets up, and he goes into another room, and he comes back, and I have this all on on, on video. He comes back, and he's got uh, my parents' wedding album. It's his his old, wedding album. His wedding album, yeah. Yeah, it's got, to your mother. He's yeah, got that. He's, he's been hanging it. on to it's it. It's one of these huge, I don't remember the, how they used to do it, a huge, big, white book. Yeah, your souvenir huge, book big, forever. Yeah. You can turn a key and it'll start playing music. And he just quietly goes out and gets it and quietly puts it in front of my sister. Doesn't say a word. And my sister's looking through this book and she's crying because there's all these great pictures of their wedding in, in Steubenville. Yeah. And, and, and he never says a word to the whole thing. And I'm like, 
why do you still why do you still have it? Why does it even matter? You know, it's just like that he was because it's so long ago, and he's been married since then, and, since then, and divorced again. And do you ask him that, or no, do you I just d- sort of no, wonder? I, I yeah. kind of left that one go. It was a great trip, um, and we came back, and then uh, then I was I was said the timer was on, and I was waiting, and I got that call in September seven. Well, this would be the eighth year, but it was seven years ago. Uh, your father, this is it. He's going. You need to come see him before he dies. So I get on the plane. I go to Greece, and I'm there. And Wait, how long is this after that trip again? Um, probably about two or three years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, two, two so years. So you fly two, out. Two this years. is going to be the farewell. This is, it. This is the farewell. You know, and I go, and... Uh, and he is in bad shape. He is. He's, he's you know, on the island, in the hospital, on the island. Does he more. have people who care about him? He's, yeah, he's got people. Everybody loved my father. Everybody. I mean, James rules. I mean. So it's like he's a guy who, if you're with him, you're connected to him and he's the greatest. But right. as soon as you're out of his sight, you're gone. Pretty much. I mean, that's how he treated you. So. Yeah, yeah, that's how it felt. Anyway, even though he occasionally would express the opposite, but I go there and you know, and, and I go to the hospital and you know, I tell him, "Pop, you know, I'm here. It's okay if you want to let go. It's all right." So forth and so on. It's very emotional. He doesn't die. It's two days later, and he and he doesn't die. You know, it's five days later. And, he doesn't die, and I'm like shit. And you've you've sort of been you're under the impression that he really is that this is, this is it. He's you need done. to get there fast because he's on his way. He's going right. to go. Yeah. Uh huh. He and doesn't so die. Now, so now I got to go back. So I have to, you have go, to back. go back to work. I have right? to go back to work. And oh I'm and God. I'm and I'm almost positive that you know as soon as I land he's going to die and I'm going to turn right back around and go back again. But he doesn't. He goes through September. He goes through October. He goes into November. And uh, I've got tickets to see Ohio State and Michigan. It was the year that they were uh, both at the top of the heap. Mm-hmm. Uh, How many years ago is this? Seven, yeah. seven years ago. Um, both. The, it's going to be one of the greatest Ohio State-Michigan games ever yeah. because they're both like one and two. Mm-hmm. All right. And, mm-hmm. and not in the Big Ten, in the country. Right, right. And I have tickets on the 45-yard line. The game is Saturday. He dies the Thursday before that game. <laughs> I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> you, got, you got one last little punch. You got one last, right there. You got to be shitting me. You know, like, are you upset? I go, yeah, I got tickets for the game on Saturday. You know, and I, so I fly. Back to Greece. You don't go to the game. You've, no, I don't go to the game. No, I, I leave immediately. I get a ticket and I go. And uh, um, when it, when he was on his deathbed, my sister didn't go. My sister did. I met her in New York and we both went. Now for the funeral, you're both for the there. funeral. We both go go to the funeral and um, and it's it's it, it's tough. It's t- it was harder on my sister because my sister, even though. My sister was closer to my father than I was. When when my mother and my sister moved back to the States, my sister would go back to Greece every summer 
and mm-hmm. and spend time with my father. So she she was closer to him than than I ever was. Yeah. But even though when she got married, she said she didn't let my father walk her down the aisle. She said you're going to walk me down the aisle. But he's, you know, mm-hmm. but she was still closer to him. And the 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 funeral was was big. It was in a small church and and I doubt I don't know if my, if my I've never told my sister this story either. But um after the the ceremony they go to they bury him and they leave the initially they leave the the lid of the casket open and people throw dirt on 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 the body okay. in the casket in the in casket the, in the yeah, ground in the ground in the ground and uh there was some dirt went on his face and my sister started to freak out you know like you know there's dirt on his face there's dirt on his face and my my brother Alex at that point you know, jumps down and, and wipes the dirt off his face and jumps back out again. My sister's freaking out, and uh, everybody that part of it's done. Then everybody's going to the little church social area for ouzo and cookies and Greek right. coffee and, and whatnot. And I stay behind, and uh, everybody's gone. And there's a, a grave digger there. They didn't have the fancy apparatuses that we had back hoers it's a guy with a shovel it's a guy with a shovel it's a small little cemetery it's a guy with a shovel and it's just me and him and he says to me and I'll say it in Greek he goes thumb of voithesis thumb of voithesis will you are you going to help me so we can go into the hall a little quicker and I'm like Excuse me? And he's like, you know, help me bury your father so we can get into the yeah, hall. So we can go have some cake. Yeah. And like, fuck. Heavy duty. So when 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 I tell people that I, I went back to Greece to bury my father, I literally buried my father. I never told my sister that because she would have freaked out. So, but it was interesting, you know, with each, you know, kind of shovel that went in, you know, you just started having those. If it was a movie, you know, you'd start, you'd start, if it was a movie, you you would start seeing the flashbacks of of what was good and and what Uh was bad uh and what was good and what was bad. And you would see those moments and they all kind of became encapsulized in that in those next uh, 15 minutes of, of covering up the, you know, filling the grave. Yeah. In your mind, you're playing that movie to yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Myself. And was know, that in, a- in hindsight, I, I guess it was a closure that I wasn't anticipating. It was good that way. It was it a was, closure thing for you. It, it was, it was good, but it was weird. Do you think I mean, the grave digger knew that when he was when he asked? No, I think Did the grave digger actually wanted to get into the hall and get some ouzo and some cookies. He just wanted help. <laughs> he, he didn't realize yeah. that this was a thing that was going to be no. something. I think for you. he knew that I was his son. Mm-hmm. You know that was that was pretty clear. But uh, as far as you know, this is just another. Let's just get this done. You know what's the yeah. big deal? Yeah, this is how we do it here. You know, right? Um, so. 
Is your mom still around? Oh, my mom's awesome. She's uh, She'll be 78 this July. Lives down in Florida, close to my sister. Still works a little bit. You know, fills mm-hmm. in at a doctor's office on, an, on a yeah. as-needed basis. So she'll put in anywhere between 5 or 20 hours a week, depending on what they need. But, yeah, she's a pistol. My mom is... My mom is awesome. My mother is, uh, I, I think, my, while my father had a good sense of humor um, and was very charming, uh, I think my real sense of humor comes uh, from my mother. She's a very, very wry, sarcastic type of lady uh-huh. as far as her humor goes. So I think it, it, it comes from her. Is she Greek as well? Yeah, Greek. Yeah. Yeah. And so did they both come here from Greece? No, or my mother was born here. Mother was born here, but yeah. your father came. And my father came, and uh, my grandmother is from the same island as my father. My grandmother used to babysit my father. Grandmother on your mother's side. My mother's side, yeah. I see. yeah. And there's some, there's, some, there's, some, there's some Italian mixed in there, too, but that goes a little deeper into the we are president of the italian club that's uh, the other that's the, the thing i love about uh, you dino is you're president of the italian club in columbus and you are a this is a you're a greek this is a greek story but you're president of the italian club that's a greek story but there's 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 uh there's italian in the mix too it yeah. goes a little further but uh, yeah, I am president of the Columbus Italian. I actually not yet. I take over the uh, the reins in April. You were elected, but you haven't had your inauguration. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Next time, I would like to go to the Italian club <laughs> for a little class of whatever you have at the Italian. Oh, well, whatever oh, you I want. I should fly in on Wednesday, like Dom's going to do. Uh, well, you got to make it the third Wednesday of the month. You oh, I got to come on the third Wednesday. You got to come on the third Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm going to be able to coordinate. This you is can. A if Dom Herrera can do it, you could do it. I'm fighting Dom for the weekend now. That's the thing. <laughs> I got to come when I can. Do yeah, well, it. there's there's meetings every month but that's 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 a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast whole nother the podcast of, uh, all right let's go back and fill in some of the empty boxes here oh you have empty boxes i thought i was very thorough no this has been an awesome conversation but i need to know what the hell was going on with that manager in los angeles when you go on the cruise and you come back, and all the heat has dissipated. Oh, oh, that's right. I didn't fill in that box. No, yeah, we, we got to go we back. We got off track. You I, get to- a, I get an email, and it's from it's from Tommy. That's the manager. That's Tommy, yeah. And when do the, you get that email? Huh? When Now when are we talking about? What time frame? This is now, I want to say three, four years ago. So... Decades after this, mm, you've done decades. the showcase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 15, at, least, at least fifteen years. Uh huh. I get an email. Um, he's homeless. He's broke. He's not emailing me for money or anything. He's uh, got a line on some potential uh, work in the Columbus, Ohio area, and. Asks if, you know, I can throw a reference. Is he from here? No, he's from Louisville. But he, you know him in L.A. from show business. I, I knew, him from, knew him from Louisville originally. Uh-huh. Uh, he was uh, he worked uh, for a guy named Tom Sobel. 
Right. Like comedy booking. Yeah, comedy management booking, yeah, yeah. And uh, Tommy was an ex, ex-cop, ex-Louisville mm-hmm. cop. Stick was his nickname because he was just thin and wiry. And um, in the process of, of mentioning that, he starts to tell a story that he never told me before. And this is the story that you almost wish you didn't know or the information you didn't have. Yeah. Because he goes on to tell me that after uh, I left and went on the cruise, mm-hmm. that he had a, a meeting with, uh, I don't even want to say what agency. I think it was, I want to say it was APA. APA, but you're not sure. Not could sure. have been APA, could, could have been ICM, could have been, been APA. whoever, yeah. Uh, so he's a meeting with an agency yeah. about you, them representing you. Yeah. And they said, they, they, we love Dino, but we just signed Ray Romano. And Ray and Dino are very similar. And they talk about their families and you know they're 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 two they're two alike well tommy apparently doesn't take that well and he gets in a huge argument with the agent the agent and hand and that argument apparently poisons like any like any you know poisons the waters on down the line for anybody else he's got whoever he wherever he had the argument with he can never go there with any of his clients again. He can't go there. And whoever he had the argument with was obviously influential enough to say, you know, if you come across this guy and his client, fuck him and, you know, and anybody he's representing at that particular uh, time. And he doesn't, if he had told you at the time, you could have got another manager, or, you know, right? So he says, so I got all this, you know, and he goes, and he goes, and it's all, you know, and uh, and and I read it all, and I take literally a half an hour before I respond, and I respond and say, "I'm sorry to hear you're on such hard time." Are you sort of hot, or it's so much later? It's I'm like, like, how, do you, even, I'm how like, do you even have yeah, a reaction? I'm, I don't I don't know what my reaction is. I'm like, I'm 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 more befuddled and 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 missed. I mean, I, I now I know how it all got screwed up, and I jokingly write back. I go, "Eh, nobody would have watched. Everybody loves Dino," you know. Right, right, right. Well, right, <laughs> which is the joke that you got to make yeah. because the reality is who knows what would have happened. But so, yeah. So he he screwed the pooch while I was away and never told me. And if he had told, I mean, he could have taken responsibility and given you a chance to pursue a career in Los Angeles with right. some other representation, which you might or might not have done because you had this successful radio show mm-hmm. here in Columbus and you got your family stuff here so so it's hard to really kind of right um i mean when we're sitting here in this room and uh, i mean i've had other opportunities that i've talked about on the podcast too it just i can't imagine that uh, i would be that much happier or that i would want to trade my life now for we're sitting in this room and you've had Ray Romano's career and I've had Jerry Seinfeld's career and we're sitting in this room. I feel like we got to this room the way that we got here and I I really have enjoyed it and I don't know that I would have wanted to take another path to get here. 
I understand that. I totally you get know? that. Yeah. I mean, how about you? What do you? You're 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 not on board with that. No, I am on board with that. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. I I, you know. I I think it's in our our creative DNA to always wonder about paths that weren't taken or yeah, yeah. or or steps that were missed and how things could have been different. Do I wonder would it have been a different path? Would there have been a a, a huge success that I drove away from or you know, would I have wound up with just a regular job, you know, because I didn't, I, I, I wasn't cutting it. I wasn't making mm-hmm. it. I mean, I, I didn't get there, you know, and then there'd be no radio either. And I'd be right, right. toiling in some other type of, 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 of obscure profession that. Well, like this guy stick. I mean, he didn't really wind up in a happy place. When it all no, Tom, unfortunately, um, Tommy was also a, a big time gambler. Um, and, it's been about it's going to be about 2 years now he had uh he had just scored big at one of the casinos he was back in Louisville and he scored back on one he had just scored hit big on one of the casinos and then uh unfortunately uh died in a car accident tragic car accident on the way back it was a head on collision uh-huh. with another vehicle and he's no longer with us and uh, that uh well, the tr- well, how the accident happened, car crash, just a horrible car crash, and the other lives were lost as well. I mean, that part of it was just terrible. But, you know, the fact that he had one last score, you know. Yeah, yeah. One. He, he the, the feeling that he was having at the time that yeah. he went out was, yeah. on, was an up. He was a, he was a, he was a good man, and I am not, uh, I will never besmirch his, his name. He, he made all the decisions that he thought were the right decisions for me. I know that. I mean, he got me into the San Francisco comedy competition. He drove with me each and every venue along the way. Uh-huh. Uh, he did offer to give me one piece of bad advice as far as a, a, a set choice on one particular venue, and that cost me uh, moving into the finals. But <laughs> which, which is which is fine. But do you yeah. remember the advice that he gave you? Or uh, well, it was that bit. The bit that was that was killing him was the "you are not emotionally prepared" bit. Yeah. And uh, we were at a theater, and it was uh, no smoking, and the character smokes a cigarette. You know when he's doing it. Uh huh. And I and I said, you know, should I do it without the cigarette or should I do it with the cigarette? Because it's part of the character. You got to do it with the cigarette. And I'm like, but it's a no smoking venue and. And, you know, what if people get upset? And as soon as I lit that cigarette, boom, yeah. out. They weren't, they were, they were focused on that lit cigarette and couldn't think about what you were doing. Couldn't think about anything I was doing on stage. In retrospect, I think he should have told you to do it with a cigarette, but don't light it. Don't light it. Just keep ah! acting. Keep acting like you're going to light it, oh, but don't get distracted. Well, there Just you get go. distracted and don't light it. Oh, let me go back. Let me go back. We got two time travel problems in this episode, Tino. <laughs> you, know, you want to go back and you want to get that information that you missed on the cruise ship, uh, and you want to go back and you wouldn't do that set differently. No, no, I no, I just want to go back me, to to being fifty five in nineteen sixty seven. 
<laughs> That's it. Right. Now, that is totally doable in a time travel yeah. perspective. So, you know, like you said, we're here. This is great. This is great. But if you go back in time and get a TV show, could I be on your TV show? Absolutely. Sweet. I don't know why you, I, you know, that's the, that's the other thing that mystifies me. As I sit and I watch over the years, the people that have gotten the the shows and so forth, I am still, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass because I could have done that minutes ago. Uh, for the, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand why, you know, we have to wrap this up because you have to go back to L.A. because you have another, you know, week of shows to shoot or whatever the case might be. I don't understand. I don't understand how that missed you. Well, you know, who knows what the future holds is my first answer to that. And secondly, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities and it just was right place, wrong time, wrong place, right time, you know. The stars didn't align in those past things. And then, I, you know, I made a choice in 98 after the last episode of that because I was so kind of heartbroken and crestfallen mm-hmm. about the fact that, man, it was this close. It was the right producers, the right cast. Everything was great. We're just at a weird political time at NBC, and the show didn't go. And you know what? I, I just said, look... I'm going to go where they love me. I'm going to go on the road. I'm going to focus on doing stand-up for live audiences. I have a job in show business. These people keep acting like they're the one who's going to give me a job in show business. I have a job in show business. So I kind of took myself out of the game, really, for um, you know a, a, a decade. And as far as as far as, as, far as going on auditions and pursuing that and showcases and, and all that other crap. Do you consider yourself to be uh, – do you, do you feel you have any, any – uh, when, when I'm, I'm assuming that the television opportunities were, were sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and based upon your, your stand-up or, or your right, personality. Right, or it was something else that someone else was doing right, that right. was already in play that they were going to put me in and put have me in be in. me. So. Let me ask you this. Do you, feel, uh, do, you, do you feel like you have any real acting chops, per se? Do you, do you think you could act? I, mean, I feel like I could act. Movies I, and be different from the character or the personality you are on stage well i yeah absolutely and i think that that has been a little bit of a problem because people see my stand-up and they think that that's we want that but the fact is that only works with me the things that i wrote i Mm -hmm. can't go in and make just say what you say and make what you wrote and make it funny because it has to be have have you ever seen any films in the last i don't know five or ten years that have had uh comedians in them and say, "Wow, I could have done that. I could have done that part. I could. I, could have I don't been, think I about it that, that way. I don't think about it that way in terms of well, they think... got a job and I should have that right, job that they me, job they me, got. But me... I would say I would alter the question to say, you know, there are definitely people out there who who've had careers that I would have I would have liked to do. You know, like Kevin Pollock has done these great parts where he's really Terrific shown parts. and been himself." And different than himself in all these movies, and and it would have been fun, or it would be fun to someday have an opportunity to do little parts in a lot of little movies like that, or like Richard Belzer, who I mentioned earlier. I'm I'm so different from Richard Belzer, but that he found this thing where he could be himself in this dramatic series, mm-hmm. and just I, I I imagine, and I think it's true because we have mutual friends. I mean, I know him a little bit, but I don't see him, and. Uh, 
to have that career that he's had where it's, I think he's really enjoyed himself and had a, had a great time and all of those things. So yeah, that would be terrific. I mean, the career that I would point to if I, if I could pick like who I could be of movie stars is Tom Hanks. Who wouldn't want to be Tom Hanks? That guy, he's got a sense of humor, but he gets to be dramatic. He gets to pretend that he's getting his boat hijacked. I mean, he's having a friggin' great life. He is the Walter Cronkite of movie stars. He is the most trusted yeah. He was just voted the number one trusted movie star yeah. in, in the business. This These last movies this year, the the one about the Mary Poppins one and then the Captain Phillips one, I feel like he's he's a, a little bit abusing his position. Like it's, <laughs> it's almost like he's going, like, what can I make you go see because I'm me? And it's uh-huh. like, look, I don't want to see a movie. I want to watch Mary Poppins. I don't want to watch the making of the right. Mary Poppins, right. convincing of the story of making Mary Poppins. Yeah, I saw I, he was good. I, he was great in Captain Phillips, and I think anybody could have been Disney. I mean, not anybody, but he didn't mm-hmm. bring take or anything to the to the product. I mean, it, yeah, I like the movie Saving Mr. Banks, but I, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed Emma, the movie. Too. I watched it. He got me to watch it. Yeah. I still haven't seen Captain Phillips, but I know I'm going to have to watch he, it sometime. He's, he's good, and um, you're 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 such a tremendous writer. Have you ever decided to put the the pen to paper and and do do things that way? You know that I. I never pursued that as a writing other people's things, like to try and get a staff job on a sitcom. No, no, no. I mean, you as, be it uh, uh, short stories or uh, a collection of humor or an actual stab at fiction. Well, since I've started to do this little podcast and kind of adventure outside of stand up, Mm -hmm. you know, the nice thing about this is it's similar to stand up. It's a thing that you can do that you can make something and put it out there and it exists. You're done. You don't have to convince anyone. You don't have to do that. And that's similar to writing. And so it's made me kind of really consider, well, like maybe I should try and and do a little writing. So maybe I'll try and do that. I I think your style of humor and your perspective on things, I think would translate extremely well to the written page. I think, I think I would read it and, I think you have the ability and the talent to write it in such a way where where I would literally, you know, read it and laugh out loud on the page. Well, I'm gonna as soon as I write something, I'm gonna have you, <laughs> I'm gonna have you read it. So, I have I have a, an idea for lunch, which mm-hmm. we can go and eat lunch. But before we go eat lunch, mm-hmm. I want to circle back and ask the one other thing that I asked about at the beginning when I asked you if you'd ever been shot. Can you tell me? A story about when you got shot? I can show you where it is. With that, with with that, you can't see it on the podcast, but I can, I can. Okay, you can show me. Show <laughs> all right. This sounds so like what? I'm, I don't know what I've just agreed to. If you have to unzip your pants, I would rather not. <laughs> no, there's a small. Let's see. It's right there, back in the in the back area. Can you see the the small welt? I kind of can't. Where is it? Okay. Well, shit. Uh, you're right. I'm not going to completely undress for you. All right. Um, it's on your back. You got shot in the back. Uh, let's call it. Let's call it the uh, the result. It's just one of those things where it 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 it, it hit, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. It grazed. Were you in a situation where you knew that you were gu- that you saw the gun or? 
Who's who's ever whoever knows? No. Well, I mean, if you're in a situation where you're pointing a gun at someone, they're pointing a gun at you. You then you have an idea that you might no, get shot. No, it's more like fuck. They're shooting. So people are start shooting. Yeah. So people now there's now there's people shooting. Yeah. Are you kind of hiding? Um. Yeah. You're no. hiding before they shoot. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm hiding after they shoot, and yeah. So you're wa- are you walking in someplace? I feel like can you? I really don't want to go. It's, it's that's not how you say that, Dino. How you know how to say that? Oh, oh no! You are not emotionally prepared for the story I would tell you because of the danger involved. Now it was a, it was just very situational and literally uh, not like you see on television and the movies where it's you know this five minute drawn out. I mean you know literally blink of an eye type of stuff i mean like in, in seconds it's 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 happening it's over that's interesting what you're describing because it, yeah in the movies there's always the context of of the story there's the leading up to it and you always mm-hmm. understand all of that but you're saying in real life shit just starts happening shit and all just starts once, happening it's all said and done yeah yeah it's over in seconds yeah. in any type of situation where i've gotten hurt doing that job you know being cut here you know that neck, neck yeah, yeah. Got a nice little scar from that, and got a nice. Oh. <sighs> One minute nothing's happening, and the next and minute it's been, crazy then, shit yeah, is happening. And it's like you know, and you're talking within the course of you know, ten to thirty seconds. Yeah. Well, the fan for the air conditioner has come on again, Dino. For the fourth time. I don't understand why, when that's in the off position, it has to keep coming on. But I think it has something to do with the temperature outside being such that if if it doesn't run every so often, mm-hmm. it'll freeze. But I I don't know. Anyway, they gave you a nice room. It is a nice room. These are nice these rooms. rooms. I I've stayed in a in a quite a range. Should of Should we hotels. say it's the Courtyard Marriott, and maybe you can get them as a sponsor of your podcast? Well, you know, I doubt that that would happen. But uh, <laughs> these these Marriott Courtyard Marriott things are nice because the rooms are you can actually stand to live in here for five days, mm-hmm. and and. In contrast to some fancier hotels where they try and nickel and dime you about everything, you get an internet in here. It's pretty great. So, um, you really want to see the bullet wound, do you? No, yeah. I do want to see the bullet wound, and I want to, and I want to go eat some lunch. Hey, what was your place? What were you thinking for lunch? I was thinking that there's a place called Italian Street Food. Up uh, there. Piata. Yeah, but I don't know anything about it except that I. It sounded good. Piata's good, and there's also a, a really good uh, burger place too. That just opened up as well with uh, gourmet burgers. I don't know. I don't they're both, know. They're both walking distance from where we're at. So we can go up there and decide. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to have a burger. <laughs> You're not emotionally prepared for the burger I would give you. I, <laughs> the load I, of beef. Let me before this is all said. Let me say thanks. Um, you and I talk in length whenever you visit. You know when we have the opportunity to hang out and just talk about stuff, and we talk about the minutia in our lives, our relationships and our children and, and so forth and so on and kind of catch up. But uh, I've really enjoyed this. I've never done anybody's podcast before. So you are my virgin podcast. I don't know that I'll ever do anybody else's podcast where the opportunity will, will well, arise, listen. but you, you, you got it all. You, you no, this was a great conversation. There's nothing left. I got I, nothing left to tell anybody. You know something, Dino? You know and I know that that is bullshit. <laughs> and I will ask you to do a, the podcast next year when I return. All right. Fair enough. All right. Do you like to high five or handshake? Uh, uh, I want a hug. It's a hug. Uh, it's a yeah, hug. It's a hug. It's a hug. Oh, it's right. a hug and the three pats on the back. Yeah. Super manly. Thanks, Dino. Thank you, Jake. Ah!
Well, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really did. Uh, it really made me think of my own father and my relationships with my parents. And uh, it also made me happy just talking to Dino. Boy, you, you could really uh, you could really have a tough time trying to find a better person to share an afternoon with. I, um, I want to thank you for listening. I want to tell you to don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. Also, I want to tell you something that I forgot to remind people of at the beginning of this episode is I'm going to be on the David Letterman Show. And that is going to be, as far as I know... Um, it's going to be this Friday, the Friday after this is coming out, which is, uh, I think, the February 28th. The February 28th is when I'm going to be on Letterman. At least that's according to the things that they've told me. I'm not confused about that. That's what they've told me, and that's what I'm telling you. If it turns out not to be true, do not blame me. Blame the man, if you can find him. If you can find the man, blame. in fact, don't blame him. Lull him into a false sense of security. And make a citizen's arrest so that we can all have a long talk with a man. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope uh, you'll check me out on The David Letterman Show. I hope you'll check out Dino Tripodis on the internet and uh, at the comedy clubs in or near your area. I hope you take care of yourselves. We're all in this together. Thank you. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.